Thank you for joining us on WQPH, 89.3 FM, Shirley Fitchburg, Queen of Perpetual Help, and welcome to another edition of WQPH's Local Matters. And on this week's broadcast, we have a long-awaited guest, and that is Monsignor Lapuma, and he is from Our Lady of Victory Church. He is with us to talk about Father Baker, who made a great impact on our world. This is the conclusion of their talk. This version of Ave Maria is by Michelle Lally, and her music is available at allcelticmusic.com, and her last name is spelled L-A-L-L-Y. It's an amazing story, and to this day, the other miracle of Father Baker's life is that when he died at the age of 94 and July 29th of 1936, his legacy did not die with him, but continued on. Today, we have what is called OLV Charities, which is the support arm that does all the fundraising that Father Baker did, but in modern day. So we still do direct mailings. People may, who are listening may actually get copies of letters from me and invitations to um, support us. But that's about 55 people who work continuously to support the Basilica. And also the other great legacy of Father Baker is what we call Our Lady of Victory or OLV Human Services. It's the sixth largest human service organization in western New York. And we continue to serve over 15,000 children, families, and youth every year. We have foster care, emergency foster care. We've got about 80 children in foster care and about uh, 13 or 14, I think, in emergency foster care right now. We have residential services for youth and adults with behavioral and mental health challenges. We have services for the developmentally disabled. We have seven schools that we take care of children that don't make it in their own school districts from about 34 different school districts. They send them here every day, and we educate from pre-K to uh, 12th grade at different campuses. We also have a dental clinic for outpatient services, mental health uh, counseling. So all the things that Father Baker did, um, we just are meeting the signs of the times. And that's basically what he did. Like when he opened the home for infant home for unwed mothers, he met the signs of the times that I got to do something. And we do the same thing. We, we work hand in glove with New York State. We work with every state agency to provide these services for all these people that are placed in our care. And um, it's just an amazing and amazing work to see firsthand how lives continue to be changed today. We actually, two years ago, bought a bakery in uh, the first ward of uh, Lackawanna here, at Buffalo, I mean. We bought that as a for-profit business to train our high school students and to give them a vocation um, opportunity. One of the amazing stories of that, when we were looking at the possibility of buying it, we took uh, a couple of our young people who really have very challenged lives brought them over there to show them how the bakery worked. And there was a young man, I'll never forget it, he spent the day, it was uh, the day before Ash Wednesday, Fat Tuesday when they make the donuts, <laughs> Mardi Gras. But they, they learned the process, and at the end of the day, spending the day there, he said, I never thought I could do anything in my life, and I know, I believe now I can do something, and wow. this is something I can do. And, you know, that's the message I think we want to get out there is that you know, not every young person can go through college, university, but everybody is gifted in their own way. And if you just give them the tools, like Father Baker did, if you teach them a vocation, and I don't know about in Boston, but I know in Western New York, we're hurting for tradespeople. Yes, <laughs> uh, today. we are too. Yeah, just don't know, you know, all the things that our grandparents and parents, you know, worked hard to do. 
Um, and it's, it's just wonderful to see young people, their eyes, they just change totally when they realize there's something that I can do to contribute. And I think every, every person, that's what they want to do at their heart is to make a difference. And some of them come from very difficult, obviously challenging families. And, and I know some of our listeners right now are probably, you know, with their own struggles. And that's why I say we have to take the example of Father Baker. We have to walk more humbly more gentle, more gently through this world because you never know what's going on in somebody else's life. And you can simply change someone for the better by a word of encouragement, by a word of uh, lifting them up and giving them opportunity. Uh, and, and lots of people don't have that opportunity. But if we all, <laughs> inspired by Father Baker, just every day strive to make a difference in one person's life that we meet along the way, it makes all the difference in the world. Very inspiring. Very inspiring. I don't see how the Venerable accomplished all those things. It just seems too impossible. I know, I know. It seems too impossible. (laughs) Some people think if they do one thing, right? But he obviously was gifted from the Holy Spirit. Most definitely. You know, again, you go back to um, that business sense of his dad and then that deeply spiritual sense of his mother. And that combination and also just the profound trust. You know, I, I think we say it kind of so easily, but when you have the gift of faith, hope, and love, those virtues, everything is possible. But we have to truly believe, like Father Baker did, that I'm not doing this. God is doing this, and, and our Blessed Mother is interceding. And, and it's hard to imagine until you actually come and see face-to-face all that continues to this day that is a result of his faith. And we as a church and here in Western New York are so much better because of him, obviously. The other interesting part of his life is that in addition to all of this, he was the vicar general for the diocese at the time, which is like the bishop's right-hand man. So when the bishop was away, he ran the diocese as well. So his fingerprint, his signature, is on uh, many documents. He brought many religious orders in to, to work in building up the church here in Buffalo. We were born in 1854. Um, that's when the Diocese of Buffalo began, and um, he had a great influence. In fact, this year we're celebrating the 100 years of uh, Catholic Charities, which Father Baker was the signatory on the charter for Catholic Charities, which takes care of the eight counties of western New York and, again, thousands of people that benefit from that. Uh, and it kind of brought all the charities of western New York together. It's different from OLV Charities because that's directed just here, and that is to support uh, our human services, our basilica, and we also have an elementary school in addition to the other six schools that we that we care for. So these are all on your property and your auspices? They're throughout western New York. Not um, We have a campus down the street called Martin Road, uh, which is where we have our residential treatment program. There's an intensive residential treatment program for about 12 young people, and that's dual diagnosis with a mental health and behavioral health uh, that are cared for. We have homes uh, there for severely disabled uh, who cannot speak uh, from 21 to till they die, basically, um, who are cared for 24-7. And the care and the compassion that is given to these individuals is bar none beyond belief. I, I attribute uh, all of that to some wonderful, dedicated employees we have a, a CEO that is um, runs our charities, that's David Kirsten, and then we have a board for that. 
uh, Board of Trustees, and then Human Services is run by Cindy Lee. She's the CEO. She has under her umbrella about 900 employees. My goodness. So we have over 1,000 employees between the three institutions. Um, oh. And plus wow. all the people we serve, yeah. I had no idea of the magnitude of what this is. When no, we, and, we and wanted to do the interview, but I think the Lord wanted the interview so people can see <laughs> what is yeah. possible, right? Yeah. And I, I just encourage people that are able to travel to please come and, and see for yourself. But those that are not able to, if you have access to a computer, get on our website. You can get a virtual tour of the Basilica. You can see it. Uh, we have a drone that came in, and it's actually magnificent. The outside of the dome, the structure itself, is at the top of the dome around has four corners of trumpeting angels that are 18 feet high and they are trumpeting victory to the four corners of the world and it's absolutely beautiful to see especially on a, a clear blue sky day when you look up at the top of the dome and you see those angels it's just a powerful reminder it's a beacon a beacon of hope <laughs> that uh, it stands here as a testament to to truly one man's faith a lot of people who over all these years have worked so hard to continue um, to support and strengthen our mission and our ministries and the legacy of Father Baker going forward. Yes. And how, Father, let's talk a little bit about your vocation. How did you ever think you would be doing this? When, when did you get your vocation? And talk a little bit about your priesthood. Sure. I. This is a humbling story. I'm getting emotional. Sorry. But... Um, when I was a young boy, uh, my parents, you know, were not overly Catholic in the sense of we didn't pray the rosary at home, but we went to Mass every Sunday as a family, my two older brothers and myself and my parents. And my two older brothers were servers. And um, when I was just seven, even before I made my first communion, i never forget the priest came out. It was Mother's Day, and he said, come with me, and he brought me in the sacristy, and he put a cassock and a surplus on me, and he pushed me out into the sanctuary of my brothers. And I served Mass for the first time on Mother's Day when I was seven years old. Wow. And I never stopped serving. I fell in love. My church growing up was Our Lady of Pompeii. So I looked up at this beautiful mural as a child and growing up, and it was Our Lady of the Rosary, handing the rosary to St. Dominic and all the angels and saints around. And that always moved me. And then um, I just loved watching our parish priest celebrate Mass. So I said, you know, I love to be able to celebrate Mass and help people like they do. And so my vocation was born early on, and it was encouraged and supported by many family and friends, teachers. I had Sisters of St. Francis, that kind of thing. And um, I eventually went on to college seminary in upstate New York, and then when I was a senior, I was asked to consider going to Rome. So I did my um, theology at uh, the North American College in Rome from 82 to 87 at the Gregorian University where I studied. And then I came home, and I was assigned as a parochial vicar for three years at one parish, and then I went to another parish for three years because we got a new auxiliary bishop, and he asked if I would work to serve with him at a parish, and I did that for three years. And then uh, our bishop at the time asked me to come down to the chancery office to work temporarily <laughs> as the um, director of, or uh, temporary director of the Office of Worship and the Office of the Catechumenate uh, and merge those together. And uh, it was supposed to be just for two years, uh, then that bishop retired, and Bishop Mansell came, and he asked me to stay on for another year as director and then make a decision. And at the end of that year, he invited me to serve as his uh, secretary and master of ceremonies. So I ended up working 
downtown for 20 years. But oh. um, And then after that, I was assigned as a pastor in Lewiston, New York, for six before coming here. But the amazing story about coming here is I've always heard about Father Baker, of course. I went here. I was here many times as the bishop's secretary and for visits for confirmations and that kind of thing. But my predecessor, Monsignor Paul Burkhardt, was my first professor in college seminary and my spiritual director, and he preached my first Mass. The, the priest before him, who was here for a long time, Monsignor Robert Wirtz, um, was in charge of all the institutions. He baptized me back in 1960 wow. at my home parish, Our Lady of Pompeii. He was only there two years when I was born, and then he baptized me. So fast forward, I do believe in the providence of God. Monsignor Wirtz died in 2012. Bishop uh, Kimmick at the time, who was the bishop of the diocese, I was his secretary, said, who's going to go and take over for Monsignor Wirtz? And I said, well, the only person I know that's really got the organizational skills to do that and as a great pastoral leader would be Monsignor Paul Burkhardt. And so he came. Uh, he was at a neighboring parish, and he took over. And then when he retired back in 2019, um, he said to the bishop, I, I think uh, it would be good to ask David, Father David, to come from Lewiston and, and serve here as the um, president of the institutions and the past director of the Basilica. So that's how I ended up here, and I believe it was all in the providence of God, and I can't tell you um, what a humbling experience it is. Also was part of my spiritual journey, my pastoral journey. I was the chaplain for the Carmelite nuns in Buffalo, the cloister oh. nuns, for 20 years um, while I was working in the bishop's office, and that had a profound impact on me. The Carmelite nuns uh, hold a very special place in my heart, and again, our Lady is kind of woven into everything I've done. My grade school was Our Lady of Pompeii. My high school was St. Mary's High School. Yeah. Uh, the college seminary was dedicated to Our Lady. And then when I went to Rome, the North American College Seminary is dedicated to the Immaculate Conception. So she's definitely been a part of my life from the very beginning. And as I'm speaking to you, I'm looking up. I have a beautiful picture of Our Lady of Victory in front of me. I actually have six images of her in my office alone, and that was another thing Father Baker did. Wherever he went, he made sure they had a statue of Our Lady of Victory. So she is all over our properties. She's all over western New York and, and stands as a real inspiration for, for all of us. So that's my story. <laughs> that's awesome. You, you can just see how the whole thing was planned in heaven. Yeah. The whole thing. You are the chosen one because you're so humble, right? You have... Compassion for the little person, which many people don't have today, right? Right, right. The other part of my spiritual journey just is always, as I know, I have great intercessors in heaven, but my parents both died after they were just married 25 years. My mother died in February of 1979 of cancer, and my father died really of a broken heart five months later in July um, with a heart ailment. Oh, and um, um, that was my first year in the seminary, so I was just... 18 years old, turning 19, and uh, I know that every day I get up in the morning and uh, on my end table is a picture of my mom and dad. I have a picture of Father Baker, Monsignor Wirtz, um, St. John Vianney, and my grandmother who lived to be almost 105, um, so I had her for like 44 years, my maternal grandmother, and she's the one that used to bring me to church. Oh, that's <laughs> when I right. started walking, she's the first one we walked five blocks down the street to our parish church and 
so even before I went to school, I was going to mass with her in the morning. But uh, it's uh, I'm grateful. That's all I can say is I'm just grateful for a wonderful family, and I'm grateful for being able to to serve as a priest, and and I'm humbled to be here and to do a small part in carrying forward Father Baker's legacy and helping as much as I can. Well, I'm sure he's very pleased. And so is Our Lady of Victory with you and all your volunteers that work there as a volunteer and all your people that have dedicated their life to all those services. That's amazing. That is really amazing. Reminds me of a fairy tale, a spiritual fairy tale, that this is actually happening in our world. Yeah, hmm? yeah. yeah. Miracles, you know, people that don't believe, you gotta, you got to believe that miracles happen every day. They may not be, you know, named for the world, but I know people here, and I hear stories every day of people coming in and visiting. We have over 40,000 visitors a year prior to COVID, and now they're really coming back. But even during all that, we never closed the Basilica. During a period of time, we couldn't have public masses, but just when that hit, we uh, hired a, um, a media specialist in doing um, tapings. And so we were able, from the get-go, to tape our masses, to put them online, and um, we continue to do that. We have um, live streaming like a lot of places do, but we actually pre-tape a mass every Monday or Tuesday that is aired on our local um, Channel 2 TV at 11 o'clock in the morning. And it's been an immense help to obviously shut-ins and older people who don't have access to computers, that kind of thing, um, who are able in the comfort of their home to, to participate. But uh, even that, I say, is a sign of Father Baker and Our Lady of Victory because with our security, we open every day from 6.30 in the morning until 7 at night, and people are able to come and pray throughout the day. We never close our doors, and it's amazing. Sometimes you just walk through and you run into somebody, and They'll say, could you pray for this? Could you pray for that? Or you just find them quietly praying before Father Baker's tomb. We moved him out of the um, cemetery where he was buried with his parents back in 1999. So that uh, Rome, the Vatican um, Cause of the Saints recommended at the time to Monsignor Wirtz and Bishop Mansell, who had gone over, uh, to further Father Baker's cause, bring him out of the cemetery and have him more accessible, his tomb, to people so they can pray. Um, which they've done in Europe and in Italy um, for a number of years. And so we brought him in uh, in 1999, and I was actually the bishop's secretary at the time, so I was there for the transferal, and it was an amazing moment. Um, <laughs> we did not publicize it, but by word of mouth, people saw something was going on in the cemetery. And uh, by the time we brought his casket into the basilica, um, the basilica was packed with people waiting in anticipation, just by word of mouth. And they were standing on the pews. We processed in, and we, his tomb now is by the tomb of Our Lady of Lourdes, which is the grotto that he saw when he was a seminarian. It's an exact replica of the Lourdes grotto, and his tomb is there. So you can find people praying before him every day and before Our, Our Lady of Victory. And I just encourage people, continue to pray through Father Baker's intercession, continue to pray through the intercession of Our Lady of Victory. And no matter what, never give up on your faith because God will always provide. We just have to have that simple and profound faith. Yes. Could I ask you, because we're running close to the yep. clock, do you have any um, sharing of what miracles happened for him to become a servant of God? Do you know what those are? Yep. Well, there are no miracles yet. The servant of God title and venerable 
are based on his virtuous life. So they do what they call a positio um, that was presented to um, the Vatican and to the Holy Father uh, prior to him being named venerable. So it was after reviewing that positio, which is a very in-depth document of right. his life and on his ministry and his service, that Pope Benedict um, said, yes, he should be named venerable. Now what we need are two intercessory miracles. We have documentation from various miracles, we can't talk about them, that people have presented that are in our file. Um, we had one over at the Cause of the Saints that they studied for some time, but at the end it was determined that it wasn't enough to be approved as a true miracle. And when I talk about that, they, what the Vatican asks for now is that, for example, I'm diagnosed with cancer, there's a tumor, um, they, they say, yes, it's, it's cancerous and, and so forth, and I pray through the intercession of Father Baker, and then I go back um, without any medical intervention, and the, and the doctor goes to look and says, we can't explain this. There was no medical treatment. There was no intervention, and they have to sign off on it. And then uh, for a period of five years without anything happening, something like that would be considered a, a miracle. But it has to be well documented. The physicians have to sign off on it. And those are the kinds of things that we're looking for. We want people to share their stories. We document it. We make sure... Uh, because once we have something like that, and that's what we're working on now, is to try to find one that will pass the muster of the, the board of um, medical professionals that look at it first, and after they sign off on it, they turn it over to the board of theologians. Um, and then the board of theologians in Rome at the Vatican, once they uh, review it and uh, are convinced, then they, then they submit it to the Holy Father to say, you know, we would consider this a, a true miracle. Mm -hmm. And that's when you get beatification. Um, and then after he's beatified, then it would need another miracle for canonization to be saint. So I, I think everybody needs I just to know this. Yes, I think everyone needs to know yeah. the process because it's unclear to right, some of us. Right, yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah, a lot of people will say, you know, what, what miracles made him a saint? Well, he's not, I have to always be clear that he's not, we believe he's a saint, of course. Right. Um, but we need those two miracles to make it public. For example, I just celebrated yesterday um, at the 1210 Mass here a Mass in honor of Blessed Michael McGivney, who is the founder of the Knights of Columbus. Right. And he was just named a Blessed back in um, 2020 by Pope Francis. But he is the founder of the Knights of Columbus and, again, had a similar charism to Father Baker. And also the interesting fact is that Michael McGivney and Nelson Baker were at Our Lady of the Angels Seminary back in the 1800s for about a year and a half together. Wow. So they knew each other. <laughs> they Amazing. studied together. Yes. Wow. Yeah. And so they're praying for another miracle for him to become, you know, Saint Michael McGivney. But um, I did have a, a mass that the Knights of Columbus asked to have because their foundation day, they call, is February 8th, uh, 1882, when he founded the Knights of Columbus. Could you give us a closing prayer, a blessing? Sure, sure. And let's pray in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Loving and gracious God, inspired by the life and the legacy of Father Baker and the protection of Our Lady of Victory, we pray for all those who are listening right now, those who are participating, uh, those whose faith has maybe grown weak or cold, that they may feel the warmth of God's unconditional love and mercy and know that no one, absolutely no one, is outside the love and mercy of God. And we pray through the intercession of Father Baker that all those needs that are out there, 
may be answered according to God's will, and that Our Lady of Victory will protect all those who are participating and listening. And we ask Almighty God to bless all of you in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you so much. That was so beautiful. No, thank you, Mary. It's really a pleasure talking with you. And as you can tell, I could go on and on and on. So. <laughs> it's so interesting. You have a great manner. And God has blessed you. you, and we were blessed to have you today. God bless you. Well, pray for me, and I pray for you. <laughs> thank you so much. WQPH community calendar. In 2023, we're expecting to have tour two of the Holy Face Relic with Vicki Schreiner. As you know, she came here last year. We had five really major miracles happen. She's hoping to come in Lent. So if you want to be on the committee or maybe have her come to your church, we'd like to send her to different churches this time. Call us at 978 978- Three four three zero eight nine three, and say, I'd like to have Vicky come to our parish, but I'm going to ask my priest first if he'd like us to come. Also, we have coming up in Lent, 40 hours, which is 40 continuous hours of Eucharistic adoration. We also have a pilgrimage this year, 2023, going to Canton, Ohio. That is the shrine of Rhoda Wise and Mother Angelica. And we ask you, what would you like to do? Where would you like to go? We'd like to do some day trips to Little Rose Farron. So we'll have a bus hired at a very modest price, and we can be going there and then stopping for lunch. I know some of you have some great ideas of what you would like our radio station to do. We have to be active. We have to evangelize our faith. It's our duty to help spread our Catholic faith. So if you have any suggestions of your own as to how this can be done, by all means, share them with us. Thank you for listening to another edition of WQPH's Local Matters. We hope you enjoyed the broadcast and hope you have a blessed week.